This contest is the special Iron Man match for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Now, I know we were talking last week, uh, yeah. at the end of the episode, the Lex Express pulled up. Mm. But before we get into that part of the story, let me just roll back a little bit mm. uh, and go into the, the whole issue with the funeral parlour. Mm. Because that was the next leg on my search for old man Joey. Mm. Now, the, the situation there... It, it wasn't my first choice, but after all the other places I've been, I wasn't going back to Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No. That, was a, that was just a no. So... I thought, well, maybe, maybe just maybe, if I go to like parts unknown and yeah. sort of venture around there, not actually go to parts unknown because I, I know that'd be a lovely just holiday. The graveyard but, on the edge, but just just skirt around the edge, go yeah. to the graveyard. So the funeral parlor is right there, next to parts on unknown. the hill, next yes. to the old oak. It overlooks, yeah. Yeah. and so I, I go in. A lot of crows. Yes, the, lots of green mist. Lots of uh, squawk, squawking mm. and. Uh, and a very cold, chilly, creepy atmosphere. Yeah. And I, I have. Do you find that they they should put some of the coffins in the ground? You know, they're always there, like with like one. Yeah. Like WrestleMania seven, WrestleMania eight written on it. You just think, come on. They know. they they could probably do with putting them. Just leaving them there. Isn't yeah. It? it is a little bit weird, especially when the uh, every now and again the the casket lid will open, <laughs> and you go, what was that? Yeah. And then. It closes again. Did you see the airtight casket with the Ultimate Warrior stuffed into? Is that uh, that was on the route? Mm. Yeah, um, it, it was unnumbered. Yeah, uh, so it didn't have the the classic nineties uh, sort of uh, WWF logo on there. Dana Warrior in the yeah. Days, didn't well, she, <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I did hear the speech from <laughs> just constantly playing from the Hall of Fame. Um, I think that is a form of like uh, Chinese water torture in, in the mini funeral parlour. It's just on a constant loop. I don't think she was actually there herself, but the the speech um, from both years yeah. was still being played. Yeah. Um, so so eventually I, I walk in. Would you say the speech from both years? Yeah, which was is the, that same the same speech. speech? It's the yeah. same speech. Yeah. So it didn't didn't yeah. sound weird. It was no, no, no. Speech. They they were perfectly in sync. Mm. Mm. Um, so. Uh, Somehow I was able to determine that there were two separate speeches, but yeah. it was like uh, I could hear one at one end of the graveyard and one at the other. And as I walked through, they sort of like merged, crossed over yeah. and merged. Ooh, and the then, Doppler effect. So it, it was like uh, it's like going from uh, mono left speaker, mono right speaker, in the middle, perfectly in the middle. It was stereo, and then over into the right yeah. speaker. Um, so so I walked into the funeral parlor anyway, and. Did you, bump, did you bump into Michael Hayes? Because he's often there looking for his dog. No, I didn't. Uh, no. Um, although... So just running. <laughs> sort of popping. Like, the... I'll be honest, there, there was a Freebird CD. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, just just sat there uh, waiting to be played. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't a CD player because everyone's gone on to MP3 and digital now. So uh, so it was a bit pointless. Amazing uh, got it on CD. Yeah. Um, and it was just sort of sat there. But anyway, uh, I didn't really pay much attention to that. I right. wasn't there for the Freebird no, yeah. CD. Mm. And so I walk in. And you know when you walk into a funeral parlour, you expect there to be... You know, coffins or yeah. uh, you know, like yeah. um, 
uh, formaldehyde and stuff mm. for preserving bodies. Nothing. Okay. There was just a table yeah. in the middle of the uh, of the funeral parlour and an urn. Oh. Was it a normal sized urn? <laughs> well, at first I thought it was the normal sized urn, yeah. so like Paul Bearer circa 1990. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got closer, I realised it was actually yeah, this big, grotesque. Yeah. yeah, it it was this. It was like a visual uh, illusion type yeah. thing. Mm. So you walk in, and you think, "Oh, yeah, that's quite respectable." And you get closer, and you think, "Actually, it is like it's the size of a man's head." Yeah. Um, and there's this like weird purple smoke coming out of it. Now, the the, the reason why I was at the funeral parlour was that uh, in in the the quest for old man Joey, yeah. I had been advised that. Uh, Paul Bearer's old hunting grounds at yeah. the funeral parlour was the place to go. And that old man Joey had been spotted in that region because, again, parts unknown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, there was a possible link there. So mm. walked in, this urn, purple smoke coming out of it. And next thing I know, I just hear this sort of... Oh, no. Sound. Yeah. From the shadows. I, I couldn't see anyone. And I thought, oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. And was there any like? Th- th- there were there were strange noises. Oh, dear. Uh, next thing I know, Kamala oh. bursts out of the shadows, slapping his stomach, yeah. and sort of looking a bit puzzled. Mm. And so I said, "You know, where's have you have you seen old man Joe?" I was, I was told he was he was in this area, and he just stared at me. Yeah, slapped his stomach again, um, and then he sort of tried to sort of get me in this bear hug thing. I was just like, "No, no Kamala, I'm I'm very flattered." But was he wearing a flannelly cloth pair of pants? That was all he was wearing. Yeah, well, it would be. Wouldn't it? Um, uh, he was wearing the the flannel cloth flannel, uh, and sort of tribal. Slightly borderline racist face paint type yeah. stuff, um, circa nineteen ninety something, yeah. 93, 94. and um, and so I managed to push him away. He got the message. He's, yeah. he's not that stupid, really, yeah. despite all appearances being to the contrary. Yeah. And uh, so he got the message, and uh, he just pointed me to the back room. A lot of pointing in this. There, there is, going on, yeah. There? Um, Lots of back rooms as well, and it's really, really disconcerting. <laughs> Some squeaky so, doors. So he pointed me to this back room. I mean, none of the doors creaked. I was expecting yeah. this, but none, none of them creaked. So uh, it was slightly different to, to your story. And 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 then, so I, I approach the door with trepidation. No. I open it, no. and it leads out into the street. And there is the Lex Express. Oh Jesus! And. Uh, that was pretty much the extent of my involvement because then I, I blacked out. Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm here to record last week's episode. Yeah. No memory of how I got here. Right. But the Lex Express pulled yeah. up outside at the end, and then that sort of sparked my memory of yeah. of the funeral part. Well, as you know, I went in. I got in the Lex Express because yes. the door opened and mm. it just like. like What's on in there? You're unconscious in there, yeah. right? Like you'd had a hard week, uh, <laughs> and carbon dioxide was bellowing out, like, like you know, smoke okay. effectively. A dry, dry ice. That's what I was after. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I went in and uh, there, there driving the bus in a busman's outfit was Lex Luger, um, and he said, "Come on board," you know. Um, yeah. Doesn't look as good as he used to, um, and we we, <laughs> well, went, that's... we went for a drive. Now, a bit odd considering we live in the middle of the UK. Yeah, that from your house we went. Um, first of all, we started off. It stopped off in Chicago. And was I on board for all of this? Yeah, yeah. unconscious. Yeah. So I I went on a road trip. Yeah. And I wasn't we awake for any of it. Yeah. 
Oh, and man. We, we broke the laws of silence because within 30 minutes we're in Chicago. Right. Um, did, did did we go to um, a battleship in the US? Yeah. Oh yeah. And power slam Yokozuna. We well we we went to a battleship in the US. Yokozuna wasn't there. Right. Um, but we power slammed Bob Backlund. Oh, okay. Which is a bit weird. Yeah. Um, and oh, I wish I'd been awake for this. Yeah. And then we then we went um, down to sort of um, like the Mexican borders where JBL was stood there just right. trying to make sure no Mexicans got yeah. in, which is a lot of his favourite pastime. Yep. Um, and anyway, we went to a few other cities. Um, went to Cincinnati, um, Seattle, um, um, Ilkenshaw, um, and um, Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. Um, anyway, I said to Lex Luger, um, "What? How are you planning this journey as a bus driver? Why, why are you taking me here?" Did, did he have a little hat on? As yeah, well? yeah, yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really said, wish I'd been away. And he said, "Well, you see, Adam, um, he's got a very calm voice these days. I don't know if you noticed, but you see, Adam, oh, well, there we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see, we've uh, we've got uh, we've, we're on the Lex Express, and um, we go. You know, what's, where's where's um, where's where's Joey? This is why we're here." I presume this story is just going on forever. Well, yeah, did this whole it's quest for Joey, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, "Well, the thing is, I haven't come for Joey. I'm just a bit bored. Um, no, <laughs> no one wants me anymore." Right. Um, so actually, what annoyed me was he found you at the funeral parlour. Okay. Mm. He let you come back to do the show unconscious. Unconscious. I'm not sure you were actually conscious for any of last week's show um, because I think he was controlling your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Was he like the taskmaster? And the, well, a bit like that, yeah. Um, and mm. what he actually just wanted to do was take us on a bus ride. So okay. we're no closer to finding Joey. Lex has got no knowledge of where he is. As a matter Does of fact, he even Lex, know who Joey is? Lex, well, Lex reckons that no one has spoken to him. And I don't mean anyone that he knows, yeah. like from WWE. No one has spoken to him. In 12 years. Right? Okay. And he just needed someone to chat to. Right. I mean, what a waste of time. I'm going to ring the damn bell. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> to the ongoing trials and tribulations of where is old man Joey. Mm. This is also the Iron Man Wrestling Podcast. The wrestling podcast for fans, by fans in the UK. And... Uh, the antidote to professional wrestling. Uh, what was your? We slogan? are the British Wrestling Fans Survival Guide. Brit- right. Okay. Okay. British Wrestling. I, I must remember that. I'll have to write it down. Uh, I am We're on episode fourteen. I know. Fourteen. I've got We've been halfway lot- around the world looking for our lost colleague, and yet you still can't remember that. You can remember that story you just told me about the funeral parlor. You can't remember the British Wrestling Fans Survival Guide. I'm ashamed. All right. I'm yep. ashamed. Anyway. I am the real deal, Simon Pryor, and joining me is... The Fallen Angel. The Fallen Angel. And, sadly, still no old man Joey. Um, so we're just plodding on and doing what we can. Uh, one day we may find him. One day the story might finish. Yeah. We never know. We never know. Uh, so, what have we got on today's show? I'll just run through the, the list, shall I? As I've got last week's show in front of me, I'll yeah. probably not be much use them. No. Uh, Off so, you We've got a couple of things that we're going to look at. Uh, we've got a main event jobber, uh, which is uh, a classic, which we'll go on to uh, very shortly. Yep. Uh, we've got the four ages of Raw. Now, uh, a caveat for that, I've only watched three of the four ages of Raw, but I don't think I'll be missing much from the fourth. It's Raw, it's uncut, yeah. it's live. Uh, uh, uncensored. Yeah. 
Thankfully, we didn't watch an episode with Rob Bartlett because no. I, I might have killed someone. Yeah. Um, oh, man. There we are. Poor, poor man. Um, well, um, thankfully, he didn't last from uh, Martin. You know, Even Vince McMahon realised he was a waste yes. of space very quickly. Yeah, that, that was a very clever idea. Don't worry, uh, don't worry, Rob. We're just putting Macho Man on here. Yeah. That is nothing to do with you. Push him out, Savage. Push him out. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Oh, Bobby Heenan's there. Come yeah. here. Um, so. Uh, we'll have a, a very brief discussion of WWE 24, the Seth Rollins uh, yeah. rebuild, reclaim, restructure, re- yeah, redirect, whatever. reclaim, rewired, rewired, uh, reminded, reminded, uh, reveled, revival, refixed. No, I'm just making words up now. Rewind. Um, we also. Uh, depending on how we do for time, we'll have an overrated or underrated. Our favourite theme song ah. uh, in WWF slash WWE. Uh, this will be an overall favourite theme song rather than a specific era. We'll, we'll cover more of those in more detail later. And a tag team turmoil, which uh, we'll, we'll try and get around to. So, let's go with the main event, Jobber. This week, Hulk Hogan and The Warrior in a rematch... Of their WrestleMania six battle, yeah. Uh, but this was at Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety eight. So another instance where the WCW cashed awful. in. Well, hang on, wait a second. Where they were going to cash in on an original WWE feud. Now my my belief was that originally it was planned to be WrestleMania seven, where Warrior and Hogan would have that rematch. Yes. Um, but because of the Gulf War, Vincent Mann cleverly came up with uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter. And, uh, um, and our old man Joey's kidnapper, or potential kidnapper. Well, I think uh, so, yeah, the, the Iron Sheik. Um, and or who was obviously um, Colonel Staff, although he wasn't at WrestleMania 7, because no. he was still just General Adnan. Yes. Um, so basically, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, so um, WCW had very successfully cashed in on the never actually penny a never reaching Hulk Hogan um Ric Flair feud that never yes. really happened. And in ninety four they made a lot of money out of Ric Flair Hulk Hogan. Yeah. In matches which I've seen and have weren't very good. Mm. Uh, to be fair, very slow old man and I just can't get through Hogan and that really weird long blonde hair he had when he started <laughs> yeah, WCW. WCW. Yeah, it's yeah. like um, yeah, but what happened? Very, very balding, but yeah. very long at the back. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, what yeah. happened, obviously, was uh, Ultimate Warrior came back at WrestleMania eight as Hogan uh, pretty much stepped away. He then survived until like almost Survivor Series ninety two. Disappeared off the face of the earth, went mm-hmm. back to parts unknown. Presumably, yep. maybe he was looking for one of his friends. I don't know. Yeah. Um, a lot of people end up there. Probably his wife having a chat with him or something yeah. like that. Um, and. What happened then was he, uh, as the NWO had taken off in WCWCW, um, wrestling, wrestling, Hogan started seeing visions, mm. visions of the warrior in the mirror. Right. Eric Bischoff didn't see him in the mirror, and but then the warrior he looked did. up. Yeah, all Hogan the fans did. did. Yep. Now, does that not show you that Eric Bischoff is mad? Not, <laughs> not, not Hulk Hogan. I see nothing. Yeah, yeah. I see no ships. Um, and of course, it was the one warrior na- nation. Yeah. Which is clever because that's NWO backwards. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, that's not very clever. You will probably, in about 10 years' time, watching the WCW uh, events, <laughs> if you don't kill yourself trying to do it, yeah. you might get to all the, raw, all the nitros when you see this unfold. Yeah. 
What did look cool was some of the intro stuff were cool. There's a very cool looking scene mm-hmm. where um, did you ever see the Ultimate Warrior Destruction, the Ultimate Warrior DVD? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. And they show you it on there where you've got the the smoke bellowing behind him and he appears, mm-hmm. and that looked yeah. pretty cool to yeah. me. Um, he then destroyed it with the the, the rant on the microphone. Yes. He did the promo, which like they just looked at him, not knowing how to end it. Really, um, it's a bit like a, a Superfly Jimmy Snooker promo mm. in that respect. Now, then this match happened. Right. Now, just just, just give me the date. Do you know what the date this was? Uh, um, it's Halloween Havoc 98, so that would have been <laughs> around October. So this is after the Ultimate Warrior went back, destroyed Triple H at WrestleMania. Um, yes, WrestleMania. And then it went... Was that WrestleMania 12? 12, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was 96, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I remember marking out big time when he came and came back and did that squash because I was a big Warrior fan yeah. when I was younger it's only more recently that I realised it was very limited in, in what he could do and again um, he got fired from WWE uh, because he missed shows I mean his dad was ill and things like this yeah. it's been talked about since um, so then he went and this was pretty, probably his last shot because he was still he still looked the part yeah but he was obviously aging but they all were so you know um, and then this match happened Um yeah, this was uh, October 25th, 1998. So, how do you feel about this match? <laughs> well, uh, going into Bear it... Bear in mind, this was the rematch of rematches. Yeah. You know, this should have happened ten years earlier, or eight years earlier, but yeah. no, now we're here, this is it. Well, th- this is the thing, because I, I... Going in, knowing how bad WCW could get <laughs> as well... Um, you still couldn't believe how bad it was about to get. Yeah, I mean... I have very fond memories of WrestleMania six. Yeah. Um, still watch that match today. It's yeah. Still an entertaining yeah. match. It's it's solid. It's um, face versus face. Very entertaining. And so I went into went into this match thinking it can't be that bad, really, can it? Yeah. And it was. In fact, it was worse. <laughs> Hulk Hogan calls it his worst match ever. Yeah. I can see precisely why. And it was 14 minutes of mind-numbing inanity. Yeah. Dre- um, it's Dreadful wrestling bellowing. from the start. Yeah. They, uh, they, there was no give in any of their wrestling because neither of them wanted to sell to the other one. No. Um, it was poorly choreographed. But then the end, is just you've just got to see the end to believe it, haven't you? Yeah. You I'm- know... The old flame... I mean, we talked about the Hogan-Yokozuna match where the camera exploded and yeah. that flame in her face, which actually wasn't a bad match when we looked at it. Mm. Um, but that worked because the flame actually hit Hogan, sort yes. of. But this time they thought, how can we destroy... And I think the idea was they would have a series of matches. Yeah. Um, so, But there needs to be no clean winner there for the first one. So Hogan was going to throw a flame into the Ultimate Warrior's face, which would disable you if you, you, know, you yep. got hit in the face by a flame. Um but it didn't work out, did it? What happened? Hmm. Well, um, yeah, Hogan decided to uh, botch it completely and basically set fire to himself. Yeah. Um, so that left him in a position then, because they then needed somehow to uh, get the warrior cost in the match, cost the warrior the match. But the warrior was just stood looking at Hogan, yeah. going, "What do I do?" <laughs> <laughs> um, how did it finish? I can't remember. Well, the, the, someone the, come the, from the yeah, the finish was uh, improvised, apparently, where oh, no, no, Hogan's no. nephew, Horace... That was it. I knew it was someone in... Came, came down to the, the ring and hit Warrior with... Uh, I'm just looking on uh, uh, Wikipedia for the, the, the quote here, but he hit Warrior with a chair shot, which uh, Luke Winky... I'm not even going there with the, the 
uh, amusing yeah. pun for the name, from Sports Illustrated called The Most Unsatisfying Chair Shot <laughs> in History. Um, we With the most unsatisfying match in yeah. pro wrestling history, I think, as well. Um, and, yeah, so they, they just... I, I don't... I don't know why it was so bad, apart from the fact that obviously eight years have passed since their their previous match. Yeah. They changed a lot in terms of their position in the the business yeah. and the the no think, selling throughout think, as well. Yeah, I think the fans were becoming wise at that point as well. Yeah. So they saw the warrior as a limited powerhouse who now had pretty much lost his power. Yeah, and his character and all this, he'd let people down so many times that this was his last chance, and this was blown. And he was pretty much gone straight after this. Yeah. I think he pretty much ever did it. It's awful. Um, and uh, his career never came back. No, that was it. Well, put it this way: Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer newsletter gave it a, a score of minus five stars out of five. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty um, evolved. <laughs> yeah. So total Bella. Uh, this was, this is the same. When was it? October two thousand nineteen eight ninety eight. Was it? It was uh, October twenty fifth ninety eight. Yeah. So this is the same point that the um, the Rock is about to become the corporate champion. Yeah. Now bearing in mind the different, and Austin is red hot, and they do that. Yeah. It uh, you know, October October has been the pay per view before Survivor Series ninety eight, so that would have been something like Breakdown, I think it was. Mm. And yeah, so the, the Rock now was absolutely on fire. Yeah. It was Judgment Day, and it was Steve Austin guest referee and Kane versus the Undertaker. Yes. So the McMahon Steve Austin big thing going on. Mick Foley had jumped off a cell, and he was becoming famous and Mister Soccer yeah. and stuff like that. So you had this real entertaining stuff. How at this point, right, this is a scary point, they were still not winning in the ratings at this no. point. WCW was still on top until a couple of months later. How did this happen? Power of the NWO oh. and Ted Turner's checkbook. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, that that does kind of tie into our Four Ages of Raw discussion yeah, as well. Yeah. So uh, that's quite... Uh, so you quite need, you'll need the Raws of I think, because we're yep. going to have to look at it. So um, we decided to look at the Four Ages of Raw, which um, we just decided there was four ages. Um, but right. the point is, um, Raw has changed a lot since its inception. So initially yep. it was almost like a... A slightly steroided version of superstars. Yep. Where you'd have one, if not two, professional on professional matches, if you get what I'm saying. No job, as most of it was jobber matches. Um, but there might be one, two, possibly three matches in a show. Um, most of them were still at the first. If I remember the first Raw, I don't know if you ever watched the first Raw, well, you would have, of course. Yeah, I've watched the first Raw, yeah, yeah. Dreadful. Yes. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. It took, um, when I started watching all the Raws on the, the network, I think by about Raw 10, they've sort of got something which starts getting a bit more decent. Yeah, yeah. And you start having um, like one pretty decent match um, per show effectively so you had stuff like Ric Flair versus um, uh, Mr. Perfect yes yeah. um, the one two three kid versus uh, Bret Hart for the WWE championship, WWF yeah. championship at that time um, there was nice little feuds between um, I think we talked about Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Shawn Michaels at one point yes. that was quite, you know lots of little things like that um, but what happened was that Raw became quite, uh, quite the show push, which is a problem for us in the UK because we couldn't see it because it wasn't yeah. on Sky at the time, yeah. on Sky TV, uh, which is our version of cable, I suppose. Um, so let's um, go to the first show. So October the 18th, 1993. 
Yeah. Um, so, have you got a rundown of the show? Have you? Uh, yeah. Well, I've got um, my notes from the show. Okay. So, so the and, show and the was, matches as yeah. well. So yeah. The show was based around uh, one thing really, and that was the Savage Crush Summit. Did yes. you like the intro to the show? Uh, it was the show doing. And there's been lots of summits in history that have made it. You know. Yeah. So he pick tried, it up. Yeah. Pick try it up. to make it historic. Um, it really wasn't. Um, yeah. So uh, I mean, my. It was uh, first of all, it was a forty-five minute long episode, yep. so one hour in TV terms. Yeah. So this is back in the era when Raw was an hour long. So in terms of story, I mean that they were sort of plugging the um, uh, Tatonka Borger yep. thing. Uh, they were plugging uh, Razor Ramon. As well. Yeah, Shawn Michaels' absence, uh, his suspension, yep. and Diesel and Mister Perfect arguing over whether or not yeah. he should be allowed back. Showing Kevin Nash's humour, I thought yep. really well. Yeah. Uh, and Diesel getting the. Um, uh, the phone number wrong for uh, <laughs> he, he gave the the yes number twice. Yeah, yeah. He didn't give the right number, so it's like he's being fed the number off yeah. uh, off camera, and he's just not getting it. Um, and they also plugged Razor Ramon, um, uh, Rip Martel, yeah, very briefly. But <laughs> what a horrendous! It, it just didn't get anywhere else. It says the, the matches. Go through the matches. Have you got the so matches? yeah, I've got the list of matches. The Steiners so, had a, a job match. Yeah, which... so uh, the Steiner Steiner brothers against Tony DeVito and Corey Studer, I think. Or Studer. Again, what happened? Scott Steiner. Match. What happened to Scott Steiner? That was in '93. By '98, Scott Steiner had become this monster. Yes. By, oh, well, steroids, like you said. Um, so that was the. Um, squash match of that so he absolutely destroyed um, this tag team yep the, um, the, the, the one bit that I did like was Scott Steiner said uh, shouted out to ringside macho man this is for you and he did yeah, a yeah. horrible looking <laughs> pile driver <laughs> type <laughs> thing yeah. on, on like Michinoku driver yeah. type of this, yeah. but it's like the, the guy landed not just on his head but on his <laughs> yeah, shoulder and, killed him. yeah I'm just like dude really yeah. Um, so yeah the, the, that was the, the opening match then there was um IRS against Scott Taylor in another squash match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't believe IRS was still getting regular TV yeah. time at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, all. I don't think it would have lasted much longer no, after that. No. But, uh, then uh, Tatanka against Mike Sharp. Now, that was a squash match, but... Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, Iron yeah. Mike Sharp was he was quite good because he, he told a story. He was just doing the cowardly heel thing yeah. and going, no, 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 no. Yeah. And he, he actually did something with yeah. it. He wasn't just like this faceless... Um, jobber that that had just been brought into exactly, to lose yeah. to, to one of the, yeah. the the faces and Tatonka's unbeaten run continued. Yeah, but, soon, uh, soon to be eliminated by yeah. Ludwig Borger. Yeah, on superstars, I believe. Yeah, actually, yeah. of all places. Yeah. Uh, and then Bam Bam Bigelow against Dennis Diamond in yeah. a, another squash match. So dreadful. It was dreadful a classic. Uh, there was um, uh, in terms of the promos, there's a Jeff Jarrett outside the the yeah. Country yeah. Music Hall of Fame, and yeah, it just. Yeah. That was awful. That was um, terrible. Uh, in, in terms of um, everything else that we had on the, the show, I mean, um, there is the return of Yokozuna building a Godzilla promo. Yeah. It's like, oh, Yokozuna, and the, everyone running away from, from all of that. That was ridiculous. Um, I did like, put in even more weight. You know? <laughs> yeah, I did like the, the commentary team of uh, Vince, Bobby Heenan, and Randy Savage. That no, was pretty good. I, I thought what was quite an interesting thing on this Um was that, um, <laughs> just looking at my notes, Steiner's pointless match, IRS pointless match. Um, <laughs> I, 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 
during one of the matches, I think it was the IRS match, um, Savage started talking about Hulk Hogan, who yeah. had left, and he yeah. said, like, about, he said, calling Hulk Hogan a coward and yes. things like this. Um, Savage hated Hulk Hogan, yeah. didn't he? At this point. He did a rap he, album. Yeah, well, I know he did, but he really <laughs> did try and get, I mean, I, I wonder how that got through Vince McMahon because he left. Mm. But then again, I suppose mentioning Hogan, he hadn't gone to WCW at this point, no. he was still just doing Thunder in Paradise. Don't fall, do that. Right. Um, anyway, the. <laughs> He, um, so I was surprised that his name was mentioned, but you know, yeah. that was interesting. I quite like Savage's anger at Vince and Bobby mm. for the whole show. Where he kept going, like, <laughs> I wish you'd stop pushing it because I've lost my friends in the past. And it was like Savage was trying to be mature about it. Yeah. The thing is, what you should realize if your name's Randy Savage, right? Well, or whoever. If you're still in an arena and the person you're going to try and be friends with comes out with Mr. Fuji. Yeah. That's it, and it, you know you can't trust yeah. Fuji. No, <laughs> so no. If, if given the choice, Fuji will throw salt in your eye. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. at any given opportunity. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. So ignoring the the squash matches, I mean, the, the whole <laughs> thing was <laughs> every match in the show. Yeah, it was building up to that mm. that summit between Crush and Macho Man. Yeah. Uh, d- did you find it funny when uh, Macho Man said, "Look me in the eyes," and then he had to remember to pull his glasses off yeah. <laughs> so he could actually look him in the eyes. <laughs> Not me in the eyes, um, um, and uh, and then the, my problem with it. I mean, you could tell that Crush was doing the heel turn, especially yeah. as he came out with uh, with Fuji, Mr. Fuji yeah. anyway. So it looked like that Macho Man had and he'd gone from being clean shaven. Did he ever go to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's bra, like, bra. Yeah. Um, so it looked like uh, he uh, he turned heel. Yeah. He came out with uh, Mr. Fuji. Then Randy Savage seemed to persuade him to come back to the light yeah. side. What they should have done before climbing out of the ring was have Crush attack him there. Yeah. Instead of getting down into the rampway and then go, oh, actually, no, I need to actually attack you now, don't I? But, yeah. Um, well, there weren't enough rooms to actually properly do it. Like, yeah. yeah um, although, kudos to him for busting up uh, Matchman. Whether or not that was kayfabe or, or yeah. a legitimate um, thing. Well, Randy Savage is hardcore, so he might have just done it himself. Yeah. <laughs> Teeth on the barrier. Yeah. Um, so the thing that... is, Savage was supposed to be so injured from that that mm. it was going to be out for ages. Um, the next Survivor Series, um, it was some Fuji's team or Crush's team yeah. versus some uh, Razor Ramones team. So it like, was the All Americans, um, I think. It was like, and, and but Savage wasn't supposed to be there. Mm. Um, but what happened was because. Um, Mr. Perfect had a back injury. Um, they had to pull Savage in the last minute. Yeah. So about two weeks later, he was back wrestling fine. But they did keep that feud all the way to WrestleMania 10 where they had that sort of very first unique Falls Count Anywhere match where he yes. tied him up and hung him up. So which didn't really work, but the idea was quite yeah. good at the time. Yeah. Um, what they needed that, well, we won't go into that. But yeah, so what do you think of that rule? Um, I thought it was very predictable, very by the numbers. <laughs> um, nothing really of any interest. It was, it was pretty much what I'd expect of Raw from that point. Yeah. You know, it's still finding its feet. It's very formulaic, very... Uh, <laughs> was It wasn't very uncooked, uncensored, was it? No, it was no, like, they, they kind of well, dropped that um, at that point. I don't know, were, were women uglier in the 90s or yes. something? Because they, they always used to find someone like... You know on Family Guy where they represent the British with um, Brit- toothless women like on Family Guy? Yes. yes. They were always holding the Raw sign up yeah. in, in the earlier... Oh. I don't read books. I don't read them, them. Books. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it it wasn't a very good show, but it did kind. Of, I mean, it, if you look at it, if you compare it to like the first episode where you had the Repo Man 
uh, stealing, well, re- repossessing someone's car. Yeah, Max um, Moon versus yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, compared to that, I mean, it has moved on quite a bit. So, uh, but let, let, let's jump forward to yeah. uh, to October the nineteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. Um, the the raw from, from funnily enough, almost the same point in time where uh, the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan had that yes. match that we were just yeah. talking about. A week it? later, yeah. the, the worst match possibly in wrestling <laughs> history had happened. Now, meanwhile, on Raw. Uh, we've got the Austin McMahon uh, feud taking place, yep. and the majority of the show was dominated by uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah, Vince McMahon being in a room full of uh, of like guards and and his uh, henchmen stooges and the stooges and, and everything. He just fired uh, Austin the night before yes. because he refused to pin the Undertaker or Kane. Yes, to award him the WWE Championship. So, so he, as the ref, he walked out with the title. Yep. Got fired, so he went hunting. Yeah, and uh, so he sh- shows up on Raw. Eventually, Vince finds himself isolated and alone, yep. and he decides to get in his limo and do a runner, but Austin's waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, and so all of the backstage promos, I think, from that show, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all of them right backstage were yeah. Austin. Well built, well built. Yeah, yeah so it, it told an, uh, a good story throughout mm. as well, and meanwhile, in the middle of the... Uh, in the actual arena in, in the matches we had uh, a few storylines being played out there as yep. well now one thing I did like about Raw from this era not only the fact that it was WWF's attitude, attitude era and all that introducing it, introducing um, it. but it's the the unpredictable style of it yeah. so um, like the, the match Ken Shamrock X-Park I mean in the middle of that match you had the uh, police come down and arrest China yeah, because of that, Mark Henry setting yeah. a lawsuit against him sexual harassment. Yeah. Yeah. So so that just randomly happened yeah. in the match. Then you get Mick Foley slash Mankind come down and try and do the mandible claw on Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Then later um, Shamrock would uh, repay the favour. Um, then you've got stuff like the Blue Blazer attacking Steve Blackman. Yeah. You've got Al Snow randomly coming in to attack Jeff Jarrett and then getting distracted by Head. Yeah. And then you're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Where is this going? Um and um, also the sort of the, the bedrock of the Mankind McMahon yes. comedy angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Mankind was trying to protect him for a while, yeah. wasn't he? And then um, then he annoys him, so he leaves him. That's it. I mean, one bit I liked from uh, from their conversation before Vince kicked him out was that uh, it's like, oh, yeah, you should forgive Austin. We should form our own stable, yes, like me, yeah, you, yeah. the four of us. Like, what, four of us? Me, you, Austin, and Mr. Socko. Yeah. Genius. Love it. Um, so that, that was really quite good. Uh, in terms of the matches, I mean, Headbangers versus LOD, which was Dross at this point as well. That was, that was, it was really that was bizarre. Dross. That, it was. It, it was, was like, it was like, why did they pull that out? Because it was pulled out of nowhere, that was, yeah. wasn't it? As well? yeah. So that, that didn't really work. Um, there was Steve Blackman, Jeff Jarrett, which ended in a DQ. The Rock against D'Lo Brown, which was furthering the, the nation. They were just splitting split. the nation yep. domination, making I'd, the Rock slowly I'd forgotten to, to the double turn. That yeah, was. that's it. So I, I'd forgotten how cool D'Lo Brown was and possibly still is. Just the, the whole, I'm strutting like a chicken. I don't know how he kept that up, honestly. Like, oh, God, his neck must be just yeah. broken into bits now. He probably doesn't have a neck. It's probably <laughs> this uh, flexible bit of no, wire. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, you're looking at the real deal now, which is yeah. probably where my name yeah, came yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and the other thing I didn't get as well was uh, the whole point of Vince at the very start pulling in uh, the whole roster into the ring. Yeah, I think he was trying to show that he's in charge, like yeah. to make it look like that. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a really weird way of cussing uh, a promo. Yeah. I mean, it was effective in one respect, in that. Yeah, he, he's on the ramp, he's got the power, he's got everyone in the ring, he's yeah. more powerful than them, he can do whatever he wants to them because he's the boss, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
and uh, The Undertaker and uh, Kane as well in the main event. That was yep. a casket match that ended in a no contest because yeah. they destroyed the casket. Yeah, that was a unique one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, they, well, they tried to destroy very, the casket. Very odd how that must have happened. You must have had two very big grown men lying next to each other in a casket, <laughs> kicking, kicking the casket. <laughs> yeah. That must have been quite hysterical for both of them, you'd imagine. I'd have like, thought so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good good match, actually. Yeah. That, that was quite interesting. Um I mean the the whole um, Austin McMahon storyline as well. That finished with the classic bit where Austin, Austin pulls a pulls gun, gun yep. and it says "Bang 316" on a drop down, and it's a joke yeah, gun. And this man had urinated yes, himself. He, he wets himself. Yeah. Uh, also, classic era Jr. and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Yeah. And brilliant commentary. Great stuff. Uh, Shows you how good that was. That commentary yeah. is just brilliant, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I I love that era. It's hard to believe that it was eighteen years ago. Almost. Yes. Uh, it's like <laughs> really. Um, so that's that one. I didn't get any notes for 2004 or 2013, so I'll refer to Wicked Almighty Media. Google. Yeah, okay. Right, so right. October the 25th, 2004. Now, I thought in terms of that uh, 1998 one, I thought the storyline difference was incredible. And I think, I think this is the best storyline, pretty much. I mean, there's quite a good storyline in the next one as well. Hmm. But in terms of, like you said, unpredictability... It was just like, would you have not have seen that before? You wouldn't have really known where that was going all yeah. over it. Yeah. And I thought that was really good. Uh, we then went to October 25th, 2004, which was yep. the day after a pay-per-view. It was, um, um, well, I don't think it was the day after the pay-per-view. It was the week after Taboo oh, Tuesday. Oh, sorry, it was the week after the Taboo Tuesday. Yeah, was that the very um, first one, I think? Yes, I think yeah. it was, yeah. Um, so the week after Taboo Tuesday, which was WWE's first go interactive um, pay-per-views, basically, mm. which and at did, the time uh, was quite unique idea and it was where they set up this pretty predictable pay-per-view where you you give you three choices and obviously every yep. fan would want one of them um so shelton benjamin for example won the intercontinental championship because he was put against chris jericho yep part of the storyline was obviously linked to that at the time we thought he might actually get a push um but the other things that happened were, looked like quite predictable but this was afterwards um, as part of that pay-per-view, very odd at the start of Raw, they showed pretty a massive chunk of it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah. Um, which was Eugene versus uh, the general Eric manager, Bischoff, Eric yeah. Bischoff, which led to Eric Bischoff, Bischoff getting his hair shaved. And the coach. And the coach wearing the dress. I forgot yeah. about that bit, yeah. uh, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> Probably and the best. Then, obviously, what the whole storyline of the night was that Eric Bischoff came out he was angry because he'd um, you know, been embarrassed, so he gave himself a night off and he said, right, the inmates can run the asylum. Yep. Um, he disappeared and that was that. So then what happened was that Evolution, which at that point was Triple H, Batista and Ric Flair, mm-hmm. because Andy Orton had left at that yep. point, um, Triple H being the world champion, they decided they were in charge um, of the show um, and they... They were talking about that. Randy Orton came out. Um, yep. Randy Orton had just beat Ric Flair at Tabby Tuesday, I believe, in a cage match, which yes. is a particularly good cage match. Um, and Randy Orton challenged um, Triple H, and he said, I want to the shot, but then Triple H sort of said, no, but you can have one if you beat Ric Flair yep. tonight again. If you lose Ric Flair tonight, you'll never get another title shot again. Against me, anyway. Um, and that's how it pretty much went down. So they then went, there was some other, during the show, there was some like sections backstage where the, the 
the the roster started turning against them and they were like yep. trying to stop that from sort of happening. Um some interesting points in the match. I don't know if you've got the, the match list up there. So do you want to go for the matches? There's one that I'm thinking of particularly, but we'll wait till okay. you get to it. So, so we've got four matches on, on the, the show. So in a, a 95 odd minutes of, uh, of of Raw, we had about 25 minutes of wrestling. So yeah. not, not, not a bad not. Sp- uh, It's more storyline based yeah. than anything else. So uh, first match, Shelton Benjamin defending his Intercontinental Championship against Chris Jericho. Yeah, um, that uh, I, I thought that was a pretty solid match, all things considered. And uh, continuing Jericho's storyline as well, because he, he shook hands with Bel- Benjamin at the end and sort of showed a bit of mutual respect, which is mostly unlike Jericho's yeah. character over, over the years. So that's quite interesting. Um, there was Maven against Batista. Now that was the one I was thinking of. Though Maven, I remember Maven. When he initially came in and he eliminated the Undertaker from yeah. the Royal Rumble match with his uh, signature drop yeah. kick, um, and then the next time he did it, Taker didn't get eliminated. He pounded him, and then the yeah. next year was at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten Maven because Maven's character just sort of flopped, and then yeah. I'd forgotten they had this little bit where they tried to give him a bit of a resurgence. I think he leaves in about five, three or four months after this, but. He just slaps Batista, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this could be quite interesting. And he beat him, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is the best thing. In um, three minutes. Yeah, I, I was quite, I quite like that little match with him and Batista. Yeah. I, I thought, yeah, pretty good next match. Okay, so uh, it, this is a squash match. It was Snitsky against William oh, Regal. Snitsky. Um, it yeah, was it not really his fault. Lesson, but yeah. Oh, Snitsky, oh, rubbish. Absolute yeah. rubbish, yeah. Waste of time. Um, but yeah, he... Um, <sighs> I, yeah, I don't even see the no. point of him. Is, this is before he um, sort of had the uh, the back knee as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he just sort of dissolved. No, um, uh, and then, yeah, the, the main event was Ric Flair against Randy Orton, um, which reasonably solid match. Yeah. Ric Flair did his usual uh, spots. He was starting to look old already at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was 2004. I mean, we still had another four years of wrestling and full this, time. It, it baffles me. It's like the Terry Funk yeah. uh, approach. I mean, he mm. just didn't retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry retire. Yeah. Still, I mean, people are still saying that. Do yeah. you know? It's, I mean, because the whole point of uh, barely legal in ECW '97 was, was was the fact that he was old and past it, mm. and he he won the championship yeah. despite you know. Being I remember retired. He liked retirement gifts. Yeah, that's the. Um, he's got so many watches. Did Ric Flair win in the end? He I did. Mean, he yes. To win, and then at the end. They were going to destroy Randy Orton, and then the roster came out, didn't they? Basically, yeah. and like ran um, off. And yeah, so Evolution uh, stepped in, and uh, Flair won because Triple H smacked Orton over the back with with a chair. Flair got the the pinfall, got the win, and established the storyline that Orton would not be challenging Triple H for the, the World Heavyweight Championship. Because at this point, we've got the brand split in place as well, haven't we? So yeah. it's a bit of an interesting period in history because you've got the post-Attitude Era, you've got the post-WCW, uh, yeah. the death of WCW. You've got post-brand split, so you've got all of these things. Plus, Raw has sort of developed into this slightly more polished production. Yeah. Um, you, you've you've separated it's gone out. from the, the the time when Raw was uncensored and cut was really the Attitude Era that's when it was yeah. like that um, and it, yeah it'd gone a bit smooth almost you know like it just too much like yeah. Yeah. so okay yeah. right the next one then um, if you can just look at sort of while we're finished talking about that it's yeah. October the 14th 2013 um, but that one I, I thought that one was pretty decent in the fact they had a nice storyline running through the show 
the matches were pretty decent quality because the um, apart from the Snitsky match, yeah, you effectively had three matches. Um, Rick, um, Chris Jericho versus um, so which day in October? October fourteenth, two thousand thirteen. Yeah, that's right. You had effectively a couple of matches. You had um, Shelton Benjamin versus Chris Jericho, yep. decent. Uh, you had Ric Flair versus Randy Orton, and then you had the Batista match. And they just it just fitted together quite nicely. Really. So not a bad, um, not a bad pay Nice little promo, Shawn Michaels in the middle. Um, yep. I did think he was going to get like absolutely battered, and I can't remember what happened. Did he get attacked in the end? I can't remember. Uh, I've only watched the first 20 minutes. Are we talking the promo on the when one, he... On that one, the 2004 one, because he, he was injured following oh, Taboo Tuesday. He uh, came out and spoke to him and said, you've only just seen the start of it, or something like this. No, um, he... Um, he just walked out, didn't he? And, yeah, so, and I thought I thought Edge was going to come out and attack him, mm. but he didn't. No. So, um, if, Missed opportunity, if we have a look then at the final one, then you started watching this one. So this is the yeah. most recent one that we, we had. From the era um, where I, I stopped watching as well. Yeah, so... Um, it was um, October fourteenth, two thousand thirteen, and basically the the sort of show was centered around the fact that um, Randy Orton was about to face. There was the vacant WWE Championship. Yep. Randy Orton was about to face um, with uh, ten years Bryan. ten years worse uh, worse off in terms of hair. Yeah. Um, Randy Orton was about to face Daniel Bryan, um, which was quite a good feud if I remember long term. Um, so they were going to have a, um, a match, and uh, I think it was having a cell match in the next pay per view. Yep. And HBK was the referee for that match. Interesting, HBK had been appointed because at that point Daniel Bryan was he's he'd been trained Daniel Bryan. Yes. Um, so there was that point. So the, the the show started off pretty much with uh, Orton trying to um, like intimidate Sean. Um, Sean doing quite a funny thing where he just went, "Oh, you're talking to me? Sorry, uh, you know." Mm. Um, and basically, Sean told him not to try and threaten him. Randy Orton then went to do the RKO. Sean went to do the music, but Randy Orton missed. got yeah. out. Yeah, um, and obviously Sean had retired at this point from the wrestling. That then went straight into a match, which was a bit of a suddenly shut thrown together against the Miz. Mm. Um, the Miz in an odd point in his career because the Miz was like, um, just like. I think he'd lost his WWE Championship yep. at this point, and he was just like a in the middle, no nothing character. Yeah. He's like was so he, I couldn't water. tell whether it was face or heel or yep. what he was supposed to be. Um, but basically, the Miz um, took on Randy Orton, um, and once that match finished, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think Miz lost. I think yeah, um, and that was it really. Um, Hang on, let me just double check because I don't want to say that wrong. Yeah, so that was that. Then the Wyatt family appeared. Okay, That's so, as far as I got in my view. Um, the Wyatt family then, a bit odd, they were going to start having a feud against the Miz, but basically they said they don't like the fact that he is um, a reality TV star and he's like all about celebrities and not a celebrity. Mm. So, all right. Um, so that was that. They then had Fandango versus um, Santino Marella. Um, it involved Fandango dancing with the Cobra. Uh, there we go. Lost Matadors versus Free MD. Anyone? Um, Sk- yeah. Spin on. There we go. Um, at this point, then Triple H was having a. They just formed the. Um, uh, what's it called? Corporate it Ministry. No, <laughs> they've only just broken. What's the group Stephanie and Triple H called? The what's the power? The, the... Dead air is a crime. Yeah, what, I'm just letting you talk. 
Yeah, well, fine, fine. The authority, <laughs> that's what I was after. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so just formed the authority. Randy yes. Orton was obviously part of the authority. Oh, so the authority has been going on that long? Yeah. Oh. Um, and but the first person to stand up against the authority was the big show. Right. That's exciting story. Yeah. Like uh, and basically, the big show was. Um, had attacked Triple H, punched him in the face, and they were going to basically manipulate the Big Show because he was 40 years old and he could have been fired and what's right. he going to do for a living and stuff like So that's that. Daniel Bryan came out, um, and this was the bit where they started to do this this idea which led to Daniel Bryan's best part of his career, really, where he was against the authority. They were saying he's only a B-grade B player. Right. At this point, he should never be an A-grade player, and that was it, pretty much. Um but it, that was still building a nice storyline. Brotus Clay had come back at this, uh, hadn't gone away at this point. This was when he was actually potentially had something about him before he came back as the Funkasaurus. <laughs> um, and he took on um, the Real Americans. Um, so there we go. And that is pretty much that. So um, CM Punk defended his Intercontinental Championship against Curtis Axel in a Beat the Clock Challenge. Hmm. Um, and yeah so there there we go Um, and I think we'll just leave it at that because that really is it oh and the shield um, were basically in a match now this was an interesting point for one thing Um, the other thing that happened with the authority for a while was that um, Cody Rhodes had been fired on screen by the authority trying to prove a point a few months back so Cody Rhodes got brought back in by Goldust coming back yeah and at this point, they were having then a feud against the Shield, you know, who were up and coming at this point. Yep. And Goldust came back, and it was absolutely. They used him and Cody Rhodes really well for about two months, mm. where they were challenging the Shield, challenging the Authority. Yeah. There was like this idea of you, but man's always trying to screw up out of the roads <clears> and things like this. Dusty Rhodes obviously still around, um, but then he just petered out, and it unfortunately nah. never. And then they turned him into a Stardust. Which wasn't a very good mm. idea, was it? Sort of indicative of the, the quality of uh, WWE's writing team mm. at, the, at the time, I guess. And it sort of ended up with um, the idea that the Rhodes were, were going to lose, but then Daniel Bryan came out, and um, Daniel Bryan cost the Shield the match, and Cody Rhodes was celebrating whilst uh, with Goldust, whilst Triple H came looking angry at the end of it. Right. So they were building the authority basically at this yeah. point, which in this point was actually pretty decent. The problem is it just went on too long. However, yeah, yeah. very predictable matches, very lot of low card, mid card matches here that you're not interested in. Hmm. Um, I really did not want to watch for. I mean, even CM Punk there. CM Punk versus the Paul Heyman guy of um, Curtis Axel. Well, that lasted mm. about 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, it was dreadful. Tamina Snooker versus Brie Bella. Yeah, move on. Um, um, Brotus Clay versus the Tons of Funk versus the Real Americans. Uh, oh, Ryback the, versus R Truth. The thing with, with all of this, right, if you look at all four eras of, of Raw from there, mm. so you've got the. The, the rough and ready early version where they're still trying to get an idea of what where they want to go, admittedly full of squash matches and so on. Then you've got the, the attitude era where they, they're actually firing on all cylinders, but that's more a matter of survival than anything yeah. else. Um, 
And that was probably at its most unpredictable and yeah. excellent television as well. Because I, I remember watching that episode uh, yeah, like way back just, in the way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then 04, you've got that weird phase where there's no competition really and, and they're sort mm. of... The ruthless aggression. Yeah. yeah. You, you, yeah. You're sort of looking at the era where... Even in that show, Sean Michaels came out and said, I think it's lost in a bit. You know, there's yeah. some predictability and we want to get back to that. Yeah. It's just like a bit weird thing to do. Well, if you look at it in that context as well, if you look at 2004, so Sean Michaels is saying that, then you jump forward to 2013 and it's become inherently predictable. Oh, it's dreadful. So, I mean, he called it in 04 and then you jump forward... And 2013 is a lot better than it is between 2008 to 2012 because yeah. there was four years of absolute dross. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if you look at look at it in that respect, uh, it's it's hard not to disagree with him. Yeah. It's, it, it ended up... It's a very well-polished production but by the, all stretches. The actual but show wasn't it? Yeah, the, the content The thing that happened, just, and it had happened at this point, they'd had a bit of real good stuff with CM Punk... Um, where he dropped the pipe bomb for the first time and he, he walked out, I suppose, to be on the show as a champion. And it really stirred it up for a little while. But it then went back to being John Cena again for a bit. But it, it's strange because it was, it was periods of good from about 2011, 12, when Punk initially did his, his pipe bomb speech, which shook it up a bit. Mm. It went good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And it just stayed like this. It was never consistent enough. Where it's happened, it's actually finally happened now where it seems to be going... It's got better. Yeah. The last year, the pay-per-views, at least, since the network's been on, yeah. the pay-per-views have been a lot better. Um, so that wraps up, really. So I would say best era, definitely the Attitude Era. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, people, I, I did wonder whether it was any good, whether it was just that people remembered it with a fondness and then we'd look back and be like, you know what, it wasn't as good, the matches weren't as good. But even the matches are just a bit better. I just Yeah. Because yeah. I was interested in the characters. Yeah. I'm not interested in what Fandango was doing or, you know, no. anything like that. What, what they need to be doing is using Raw to forward the stories and mm. not falling into the same old trap of, oh, tag, tag match. Yeah. Oh, uh, two against one. Oh. Because when they had a tag match in 98... There was a point, I've been watching a lot of, I'm in 99 at the minute, yeah. and the corporate ministries in, in the matches is on stone. So it was Austin and Rock versus Triple H and Undertaker and Vince and Shane against each other outside yeah. the rings. Every match had a purpose. Yeah. And that was a point, you yeah. know, and the rubbish matches had a purpose. That yes. was the thing. It wasn't a rubbish match. It was like the Val Venus versus, um, who was it I watched the other day? Val Venus, and he took on... Um, was that the Mankind match? Are we were talking this episode of Raw, yeah? No, no, this is one that I was just oh, watching on 99. Yeah, um, yeah. Val Venus was having a feud against Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Because Val oh, Venus, Jeff Jarrett again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Val Venus was been chatting up Deborah. Yeah. Uh, so Jarrett didn't like that. And Nicole Bass, do you remember her? Yeah. Uh, was sadly, getting yes. involved. Um, but it was entertaining. It was relatively entertaining, mm. you know, and it just kept being the blue blazer came out of nowhere, and obviously that left yep. us something very poor, unfortunately. Then afterwards, but yep. it was it was just unpredictable, and it it made the characters interesting. Even Val Venus, I mean, really, he was rubbish, weren't he? But <laughs> yeah. but he was quite for that two year stretch or something, and very he entertaining, was decent, yeah. yeah. So there you go. And the whole thing with Kai and Tai and the uh, the samurai sword—that's probably the most memorable. <laughs> yeah. You got chappy. Um, yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, shall we have a quick chat about the WWE 24 Seth Rollins? I think so, yeah. I'm yeah. uh, not really much to say, but um, 
every now and again the the network they throw out a hell of a show these this twenty four. Yeah. Did you see the one about WrestleMania they did? Like, it was it um, showed the build up to WrestleMania. The ch- this was a year or so ago. Now. Yeah, I think showed I did the build watch up it. it's been a while. to the one at Silicon Valley. So yeah. a year or so ago, that was really good. It showed like Paige's journey to WrestleMania. Yeah, what's really good actually, the Seth Rollins one was good. It showed very interesting his build up to get back and all that stuff and the yeah setbacks, behind the scenes. Really good. Um, it was quite nice to see he lived in, I wouldn't say it was an average house, it was a very nice house. Yeah. But it wasn't what I'd think, mm. you know, a superstar would live in. He lived yeah. in a, a house that would be, I'd imagine, if you had a good job in America, affordable. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. A tiny little dog. And a tiny little dog, which he shared his drink with too yeah. much. Um, a bit weird. Um, but that was that was quite good. Um, the, pay, the, the, the show I really enjoyed, which I'd recommend you watch if you haven't, is they... I haven't watched all the Breaking Grounds at all. I've but started they did, them. They did yeah. a Breaking Ground... Something like it was called Breaking Ground Revisited or something yeah. like this recently. And it showed... It's on my watch list. Yeah, it showed yeah. the NXT superstars getting to WrestleMania yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of them got called up the next day. Yeah. That was a good show. That was a really yeah. interesting show. Um, and it showed you, like... Because Baron Corbin, for example, didn't know until after the um, the NXT um, Texas show the yeah. day before. He didn't know he was going to WrestleMania until the... So he won the Battle Royale and he found out pretty much the day before he was going yeah, to yeah. WrestleMania. Um, so that, that was a really good show. And I just thought... Um, it showed you like the stars that didn't get through and what they were going through and things like this. Yeah. Um, but it shows you Triple H walk in and say afterwards he, he walks into the, the NXT locker room after that show where they just tore it apart and he said, you know, you bastards. He said, I told you to steal the show, but I said, how am I going to follow that up with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? <laughs> yeah, well, that's about right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really good. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, the uh, for me, I mean, the the journey of, for Seth Rollins. I mean, I've, I've appreciated him as a performer since mm. I got back into it, um, and seeing the journey he went through to get back yeah, from injury to, uh, yeah. from that injury, and seeing the injury itself yeah, happen yeah. as well. That that was yeah. a bit gnarly. It's a bit nasty, um, but don't it show that it can just happen on such yeah. a pointless move? Almost, yeah. he, he, it wasn't like someone landed on him. It was his own weight, yeah. and he wasn't even put. He was holding on to someone, so he just sort of did a backflip over Kane, landed funny, and and still finished the match. And finished the match, but that probably did him in massively because if yeah. he wouldn't have finished the match, he probably would have been back three months later because yeah, he, yeah. he tried to he tore it from being one tear to three tears or that's it, it was, yeah, so. yeah so i mean that that was uh, it was just an interesting journey and in seeing a, a bit more of, of the behind the scenes aspect of of the the industry which they tend to do a bit more of these days yeah. they're, they're not quite as protective about mm-hmm. the behind the scenes stuff because it, it gets them ratings well yeah, exactly the the and uh, I, I just thought it was a very well structured that sort uh, of thing like they could do they could have done doing that sort of show about uh, Roman Reigns to yeah. try and get fans to like him or if it's in what actual hard work he must have put in I think he's uh, they did a show with Roman Reigns was it uh, Unfiltered with Renee Young that's yeah. just gone up so um, that's uh, but assuming it's, it's too still late too little yeah. too late oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah I mean the uh, one thing that was interesting for Seth Rollins as well was seeing the uh, the the backyard wrestling that he used to do. Yeah, yeah. That was quite yeah, interesting. That was cool, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, we'll move on from that. Um, yeah. WWE 24, always worth getting into. Always worth a watch when it's yeah. on, definitely. That's it. Um, adds value to the subscription. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And, okay, overrated or underrated? Okay, overrated and underrated. This 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 week goes to uh, a man who we've watched in many incarnations. 
Um, sometimes his character was probably his last character was my favourite, but whether his wrestling was that good at that yep. point. Um, John Bradshaw Layfield. Okay. Okay. So overrated or underrated? We'll think about John Bradshaw Layfield. He started yeah. off as the new Black Jacks or something when yeah. they came in, which was awful. Yeah. Awful, awful gimmick. Then he sort of went on his own way. Um, before teaming up um, with Farouk yep. in the Acolytes, which yep. didn't take off very quickly, but then they became the corporate APA. ministry Acolytes. Yep. And then they left that, and then they somehow became the APA, which was a stroke of genius. Yep. Um, and they reckon that's where they made the most money as a team, because yeah, yep. they sold all the shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, it showed them the characters, I think, which is good. Also meant that Ron Simmons got to do a bit less wrestling because he had a real bad need in his life. Yes, but, yeah. Um, they lasted as the APA for ages, though. They, they became, well, the Acolytes. They started in, like, 98. It wasn't until um, 2004... We get that right, mate. Yeah, two thousand and four, that the acolytes actually broke up. So mm. Six years as a tag team. Yep. Um, well, a lot of that was spent backstage playing cards. Yeah, so. um, <laughs> but they but they had parts in the the uh, WCW invasion things like that, um, and then they basically they broke up. Obviously, Ron Simmons had to retire. Basically, yes. Um, they had, Damn. They had a match, and Eric Bischoff uh, said, or some, I think it was Eric Bischoff, but mine, Paul Hamer, I think it was Eric Bischoff said, "All right, you can have a tag team title match if you don't win this match." The team. Ron Simmons has got to retire, and Jack uh, and um, Jack J- Tunney, J- Jack Tunney, <laughs> JBL went, yeah, that's fine, and then he lost, and yeah. that was it. The next week he came back, and uh, mm. it was JBL. You know, yeah. um, had some brilliant backstage bits about the the the, Mex- the Mexican, completely inappropriate, I'd imagine, but the Mexican um, border and things like this. Yeah, very quickly went to beat Eddie Guerrero, mm-hmm. became SmackDown's longest running champion yep. for a long time. Um, and then was a champion for a while, lost, then to John Cena, then became uh-huh. a champion, sort of, then had sort of intercontinental championship run, and eventually had to retire because he had back problems, yes, shoulder problems. But um, I don't know what do you think. What was he overrated? Was he underrated? Was he a wrestling god? Uh, I was never too keen on him, mm. all things considered. Um, I think his promo work was good. I, yeah, oh, I yeah. I, I, I can't criticise... Did you prefer him as... You liked him as an APA? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was more to do with their backstage skits mm. more than their in-ring performances. So yeah. it's more to do with the, the characters than, than the wrestling itself. When he became JBL, I thought he was very good in the sense that... The character he built was was very very antagonistic, yeah. and it, it got the audience uh, got their hackles up, and and they were against him as as a character, not necessarily as a person, yeah. but as a character. They they, they were like, no, don't like. I that. I think he um he was so I think he was so good as a promo person that carried the probably less than decent matches mm. that he sometimes. I mean that match when he lost against John Cena at WrestleMania twenty one. Was one for the first WWE title reign of John Cena. It was one of the worst. <laughs> yeah, like it was a good job there was another WrestleMania main event because of the brand split yes, at that yeah. time. Yeah, um, I remember Undertaker uh, last riding him through the roof of a limo at one point as well. That was uh, nice. Yeah, that was good. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I can see 
kind of why they pushed him into that slot. I mean, I, I don't rate him on the commentary table at all. I, he, he can I talk, but I, I, I find he, he sounds bored. Yeah. Do you not think he sounds bored? Oh, yeah, yeah. More as time um, goes on. Like Jerry Lawler in, in that role. Well, yeah. I, I think he would have been good. I think they've missed the boat now because, as far as I'm aware, he is a genuine millionaire, isn't he? Because he's oh, yeah, yeah. He he had he an energy company and, and stuff yeah. like this, didn't he? Yeah. So that's where that character obviously came yeah. from. Got his business in um, what I think they could have done with him when he because he was forced to retire, but he's still actively enough because he's done stuff like climb up Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like this. He's yeah. done something called something so many peak challenges and he's got oh, like three peaks. Yeah, five peaks. Um, and what he's so he, he could still do certain things um, because he he did come back temporarily and had a couple of matches at one point stuff like this. Um, and like his his clothesline people from you know seen that like clothesline from hell when they've done an old old school raw and things yep. like this. Um, what I think he should have done is they should have made a new version of the Million Dollar Corporation with him. That yeah, he, that could have been interesting. Bought yeah, yeah. it in. Yep. Bought in some characters, took over and sort of ran this. Didn't have to be necessarily run for the show, but he could have been in charge, like in some respects, because yeah. he could have he could have. Um, Would you have given him the Million Dollar Man's laugh? I don't think so. No, no okay, yeah, fair yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he could have, he could have, he had the the mic skills definitely, you know, yep. uh, and he could have been stood at ringside and he could have manipulated things and done whatever. Yeah. But um, it could have also helped elevate a couple of other performers as well by bringing them into yeah. that that thing, especially if he's been at the main event level. Mm. He could have helped elevate other people and to you know, uh, if their promo skills were lacking, then he could have compensated for that by being the, the voice for them. Yeah. Um, in terms of wrestling, then they'd be on their own pretty much, but yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he could give them some genuine heat by inter- interfering in the matches. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think they could have used him really, really well mm. for that. I think that time's come and gone now. I don't think they could do anything no, no, like that. No. And I think he's boring the nation to death now with his commentary. <laughs> um, and I just think, I don't think that's necessarily him. I just think that they put him on there and it didn't suit him. And I think mm. they could have used him, or he could have been a general manager, you know, yeah. at the time. And again, yeah. not now, it's too late, but he could yeah, have yeah. been a really effective heel general manager. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah. possibly still had the occasional match as a result of it, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, so uh, overrated or underrated? Um. I'm going to have to go for overrated, but that, again, that's purely down to personal bias. And, yeah. and I, I just didn't enjoy his matches. I, I can't name... An enjoyable... J- an enjoyable I match. can't remember an enjoyable JBL match. I think I could probably watch a couple of APA matches and think, yeah. oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, I agree. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where promo skills and character-wise, solid. Yeah. Uh, match-wise, again, there's nothing that stands mm. out. Commentary wise, oh. yeah, don't yeah. Okay, okay. Um, favorite theme song. Favorite theme song. Or, or, or do you want to do tag team term or? Let's first? do tag team term. Okay, go first. for it. Yeah. Okay, so who was the better wrestler? Okay. Okay. From the tag team, I've sort of got two in my mind now, and I want to pick one. Okay. All right, I'll do the one which I I, I can't think the difference between them. Uh, Powers of Pain. Oh, but like Warlord and Barbarian. Warlord and Barbarian. Okay. <laughs> Can we? Is there an option to call it a score draw? Oh no, no, no! I think. I mean, would <laughs> would you would you um, have cinnamon WCW before or in the early WWE days? It's quite hard to even tell them apart. So yeah, yeah. Barbarian's got more of a tan. 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Because I mean, their early WCW stuff or NWA stuff, they are pretty much interchangeable. Same, yeah. And when they were the Powers of Pain in uh, WWF at the time, like the late eighties, again, yeah. not too much between them, apart from the fact that the Warlord had this great big bald eagle patch. Yeah, uh, and the Barbarian didn't quite. Uh, it wasn't until like the early nineties that the the barbarian the, sort of became like Conan. And he the actually became a barbarian, yeah. and the warlord had his uh, like warlord thing. His w wand, sort of, yeah, because yeah. that's what all warlords have—a big wand with a W. Yeah, it. that's it. Um, in terms of what happened, obviously they were in WWE, whatever. Yeah. Um, until about what ninety-one-ish. Did they uh, yeah. go then back to WCW? Do you know? Uh, offhand, I don't. I think Barbarian did because I think yeah. him and Kaku became a team. Him and Meng. Yeah, he he had a he had a different gimmick. But I don't but... know what happened to the Warlord. But I mean, I would say myself if I think about matches, I'm thinking about him at WrestleMania Seven, and you had the Warlord versus the British Bulldog. Yep, in a dreadful match. Mm. All it's always about his Four Nelson, weren't it? Which they yeah. then brought back in with. Um, what was his name? The guy who had the uh, did someone else did a full Nelson like Mister uh, Chris Masters did it later. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it like the master lot. Yeah, and yeah. I just think oh, so boring, you know. And that was all he could do. Whereas I think actually Barbarian, I remember seeing the Barbarian. It was Royal Rumble nineteen ninety one. Yeah, he took on the Big Boss Man, and I remember him going up onto the turnbuckle and like jumping off it and doing a clothesline. I think that was his finish move, a clothesline from the turnbuckle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then at WrestleMania, 9, uh, WrestleMania 7, he took on him and Haku took on the Rockers, which is quite quite a good match. Yep. Um, I think he's got to be Barbarian. Yeah, I don't know if it helped because he was managed by Bobby Heenan, not yeah. Slick. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm trying to weigh up the, the two in my mind and... I think on balance the barbarian would would swing just it. yeah, but it, it's it's a close one to call. I, I think it it may be more to do with the fact that I can remember more of the barbarians matches mm, yeah. than I can for the warlord, which isn't um, many. No, yeah. Um, I mean, I've got fond memories of the powers of pain era. Yeah, but, but I can't remember which ones. I can't picture either of them. You know, when you think about yeah. Axe and Smash, you can picture Axe and yeah, Smash. Yeah. When they're in the Powers of Pain, I can't really picture the difference between no. the two of them. No, I remember the Barbarian, was it the Warlord was one of the ones that got eliminated really quick at WrestleMania, at Royal Rumble by Hulk Hogan. He was, was that 89? That, he was the one that turned, yeah. stepped in and went... Yeah, that was, the, that was the Warlord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it, really it. And then, as I said, the, the Warlord during, um, during the... the um, British Bulldog matches. That's all I can remember. Yeah, cause, uh, it's going back to UK Rampage again. <laughs> Not ninety two though. Rampage ninety one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rampage ninety one. They, uh, I think it was the British Bulldog and uh, the Barbarian, and the lights went out during the match. Yeah. So they they desperately get the lights back on just on the ring, but the rest of the arena is bathed in darkness, and they're having this sort of quite a, as Jr. would put it, a slobber knocker. Yeah. And uh, that that was actually a solid match. Uh, the Warlord was on the same card. Um, I can't remember who he was against offhand, um, but it was the big colourful gimmick era. Yeah. It was like ninety one, and it was like uh, cartoon characters. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Barbarian. I agree okay. on that one. Well, we know much time then. So, favorite um, music? What's your favorite intro music of all time? Demolition. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so, other than that, what would you say? 
Uh, well, in terms of uh, impact, uh, the DX theme's pretty cool. Interestingly enough, another bit of news, the, yep. the singer of the DX band died about a oh, week or so ago. Was on WWE.com. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, I would say... Um, I think there's a couple of musics. I think Randy Savage's use of Pomp and Circumstance yep. is really good. Yep. Um, I think um, I love Arkeem slash Slicks. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You're a jab soul, bro. <laughs> yeah. A jab soul, bro. Um, but I also think uh, you got to, you can't go wrong with Dusty Rhodes. Oh, no. Yeah, American yeah. Dreams. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Classic, so I yeah. don't know. I would say Demolition. I mean, Demolition yeah. was the best. Yeah, yeah. But then again, I mean, you got to like the Honky Tonk Man as well. Yeah. So there's there is the, yeah. Like, but I think... Um, and that is oh, the end of the match. Go. I was going to also say, more modern time, I quite liked Eric Bischoff's music when he came back. back. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty I cool. I thought that had quite a good effect. Yeah. So, there uh, you go. Uh, I mean, I can't remember too many memorable ones from the modern era, mostly because they've gone down the, the, the rock stuff. I mean, from the last 18 months, Seth Rollins, I really like his theme song. Yeah. Shinsuke Nakamura's <laughs> yeah, well, theme. That's the crowd, isn't it, doing that? Yeah. They're singing along now, as you'll yeah. see in the uh, next pay-per-view. Sami Zayn's as well, and yeah. uh, Kevin Owens' intro music yeah. uh, gets a pop. Um trying to think through now at the minute. Um, yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah. uh, the original Shawn Michaels one sung by Sherry Martel. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> um, I think... I think it's still it's a shame because some of the characters now they are they're getting a bit cheap again on the music. I think it's yeah. almost like they're just right quickly throwing something together. Mm. Um, well, they don't do the the CD albums anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, it's down, do down, you can I think you can download yeah. everything though. Kind they're of, they're downloadable. Mean. So as soon as they do the songs, they're they're available downloadable, but they're not in album form. And I really miss the the album form. In fact, uh, if I go for another favorite, uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Break the walls down is uh, yeah. his particular favourite. Um, and I think, I just think it's it's a shame now that they've, they've gone away from that really because it really set the character up a bit. I think yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you think about it, like think about the 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 shield. You said you like the um, the the music of Seth Rollins. Yeah. But then they've just they've all just got music. <clears throat> so there's nothing defining the character almost no, no. in there. It's not um, like uh, when you go back to like the uh, the eighties and nineties where the Ultimate Warriors music mm, that yeah. told told you That's everything you need was. to know yeah, about yeah, the character. Yeah, exactly. Hulk Hogan's theme song yeah. it tells you about the character. Matt Man, you've got yeah. the the pomp and circumstance. It, it's the character. Big Nasty Boys, Big Boss Man, yeah. um, all of that stuff. Up until... And you could tell if they were a rubbish wrestler because they had no intro music. Yes. That was the best one. Dino Bravo. Yeah. Never... Oh, no, no, he did actually. He had... Yeah, that doesn't count. But then, I mean, you get into like the the attitude era. You've got The Rock and all his various themes. That, that again, tells tells you what you need to know. Austin is just iconic. It doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the character, but it's just... It just... You've got that feeling of... Who the characters these days? It's it's less obvious. Although Sami Zayn's good because he does something different. Yeah, and Bailey, she's got quite good music. Yes, too, you think about it like yeah. that. Um, so that's that's pretty wacky good. waving inflatable arm flailing yeah. tube man. Um, so I think that's that's quite good. Cool. Shinsuke Nakamura, is, yes, has got some pretty good. Yeah, something going on there. With that, I do so. like that. That that that's the sort of stuff that I'd be looking for. It, it, yeah, it defines the character. Mm. Well, I think that's it. The bell yes, went, so we've run out of time. Yep. So there we okay. Go. So, if you would like to get in touch, first of all, thank you for listening. But if you'd like to get in touch, please find us on the Twitters. The Twitters. At Iron Man Podcast, at Huge Greenberger, that's my personal one, or at Random Stowe, which is the 
technically the network uh, Twitter feed. Uh, you can also send us an email, randomstoat at gmail.com, if you have any requests or you'd like us to cover anything in particular from anything that's on the network, preferably, but we, we can scout around for other stuff. Drop us an email, let us know what, you, uh, what you'd what you like us to look at. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Deezer, Stitcher and your podcatcher of choice also through randomstoke.com forward slash Ironman podcast please if you are on iTunes leave us a five star review because that will push us up the rankings and uh, make us all feel warm and fuzzy inside uh, and that is pretty much everything Mr Angel is there anything you would like to add? Not really I'm going to go and see if I can contact uh, handsome Doc Hendricks that's all I can think now he's okay. the only person left he's the last Bastion of, of hope. Of hope. So, let's okay. do it. Cool. Well, until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.